you are listening to an episode of Back Row Movie News. The podcast name and scope has changed. It is now the Broken Record Podcast, uh, but you can still enjoy the past episodes of Back Row Movie News on this feed. Make sure you follow uh, the Broken Record Podcast or Podcast Broken Record. Depends on what social media site on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook for updates on future episodes. What's going on, you guys? Welcome and thank you for tuning in to Back Row Movie News. I'm Chase Kupo, and I'm going to tell you guys why Alien is the perfect movie. And if you're new to this channel, make sure you hit that subscribe button. With that out of the way, we're going to hop right into the score. I'll just talk about, you know, each element of the movie that I deem, you know, major score, plot, character, etc. But the score here, uh, I think it's a masterpiece. One of my subjective favorite movie scores of all time, and then I think objectively there's probably a lot of, you know, facts to it to make it, to make it, it's objectively one of the better movie scores of all time. But unfortunately, unfortunately, it was kind of butchered in the edit. Uh, So Jerry Goldsmith did the score, outstanding. The main theme, the title theme, is uh, probably literally one of the most famous uh, scores or pieces of a movie score in cinema history. Sorry to God, people play it all the time in concerts. I love it, but it never made it into the movie. Because what happened, what had happened was, was director Ridley Scott and then editor Terry Rawlings, they, they fell into a classic trap. When you're editing, you usually, you know, you use temp music, just something to get the vibe, get the mood going, and make the film feel a little bit more complete, so you're not just, you know, looking at silence. So what they did is they looked through Goldsmith's uh, past work, and I forget the movie that uh, they were mainly looking at. It was another horror movie, I believe, but they were using temp, the temp track was some scores from his other movies, and what they did, there was two or three pieces, namely the end credits, and then I forget the other one. There was like one or two pieces in the movie that made it that just kind of clashed. And then they also, it just, it didn't make sense. You'll, if you watch the movie, you'll hear it. They're not bad scores, you know, not bad pieces. Very nice, but it's not right. And then the most, the most disturbing part is that that main theme, they decided instead of starting all beautifully and mysteriously and then working into the creepiness of the horror movie, they said, you know what? Fuck you, Jerry. <laughs> they said, fuck you, Jerry. <laughs> we want it creepy all the way out. So he, you know, he changed the score and then they butchered it even further. So I think that may be the weak point of Alien, but at the same time, I think the score is wondrous and sort of alien enough to where it, it complements the movie still almost perfectly. I cannot tell you guys enough, and I will tell you guys enough that this movie is just perfect. Okay. So score out of the way, we're going to slide over into the script. Now the script, it's an interesting journey. It started with Dan O'Bannon and Ron Shusset, or Shusset, whatever his name is. Uh, They're uh, young students in uh, California, and they've made some industry connections, and they had, uh, they're working on a plot for this movie. They were trying to figure something out that was interesting and new, and one day, Ron Shusset had a dream about the chest bursting sequence, basically. About something, you know, raping someone's face and then bursting right out of their chest. So they took that, they met, um, I forget the guy's name, it's not important. They ended up taking that to the studio, and then that's how it all started. And really, I think what happened is the producers, uh, David Geiler and Walter Hill, I may have messed their names up. What they did is they said, okay, this is great, sure. 
Thank you. We love you guys. And then they took it and they completely changed the character names. They added in the element of the uh, the robot hiding on board and the company being like the big evil entity behind everything. And they changed it enough so that they could make it their, say it was their own. And I think it was for the better. For once in our lives, you know, usually studio meddling, like uh, usually studio meddling isn't that great. Take, for example, uh, Batman versus Superman, Justice League, etc. All these newer, especially comic book movies that are just stifled in their vision. Uh, but here, I think it worked out because what they did is they they perfectly paced the movie. It's it's a slow burn tension horror and then they mix in, you know, those uh, perfect spikes of, you know, violence or anger, or, you know, the crew disputes, the alien, etc. So I think it's it's probably a good one to look at, to study if you're trying to learn how to write a movie, or if you want to be in the industry, because they go step by step pretty perfectly. The only thing that would be an issue for me, uh, I have a lot of negative points about this movie, more than more so than I thought. The only thing that I have an issue with would be the characters, and it's it's in a sort of jaded way. So I, Ripley, obviously she's one of the you know sci-fi movie history one of the top female action heroines, uh, with good reason. She was just a normal person, person, normal person who got thrown into this abnormal situation, had to deal with this alien trying killing all her crew, trying to take her life, and she rose up above it and became the hero that we all needed. But they did so at the expense of developing anyone. I think this is a Ridley Scott problem, really. I mean, he didn't write it, of course, but what happens is the writers he hires, or the writers that hire him, they write these scripts with these bare-bones developed characters, and they rely on the plot, uh, you know, what you're seeing, of course, if it's pretty enough, and then uh, the acting. And luckily for Alien, they had an A-class cast. I think it was pretty much all unknowns at that point. But what they did is they worked together well enough and they developed a routine and chemistry throughout the film to where it just felt so real, man. Every interaction felt like real people doing real things, just space truckers, as they like to call themselves, just trying to get home. Just they're doing this job in the mine and they're coming back home. And I think that's where the success is. It's in the acting. They, they got lucky. And fun fact, actually, Harrison Ford was supposed to be Captain Dallas, but they passed on that. Case in agrees, yes, yes. So yeah, I think they wrote this plot, the structure, pretty much perfect, almost to a T. And then the characters, although they're probably underdeveloped, it comes across well because they have such uh, spirited and quality actors in the roles. And so we will move on to, not the characters again, uh, the genre and tone. This one, I find the history of where this was birthed from interesting. Basically, uh, well, Ridley Scott was, he had just directed his first feature film, and he was sort of a hot commodity in you know, the industry. And then Dan O'Bannon and Ron Chassette, they're, they're pretty much new to the scene. This is one of their first breakthroughs. And then you had the fact that Star Wars just came out in 77. That was all hype. And that uh, they call it the used space sort of aesthetic or vibe, you know, and that was hot. And Jaws was, you know, even just a few years earlier. So uh, like a, a mainstream, I guess, accessible horror movie was also in the cards. So once Ridley Scott was attached to that project, he, he storyboarded and then he pitched it. 
as Jaws in space with that like Star Wars used space aesthetic and it was it that's what it is it's a it's a marvel and sci-fi and horror history you always see all these top 10 lists of you know sci-fi or horror or movies whatever it's always there because it fits right in the niche it doesn't worry about any bigger world any any end of the world problems uh, we'll get to that in prometheus and alien covenant it just focuses on one crew in an absolutely unknown environment and it it makes the most of that and it's part of that probably the main reason that that is the way it is is the design now everybody let me tell you i think the design of this film for me it trumps anything ever i love the way this film looks so much that i packed myself up moved to utah went to film school for a year before i realized i just like alien too much so it i think <laughs> yeah i think it starts with it starts with the We'll start with the creature design, the xenomorph, the alien. It's another marvel in design because uh, Ridley Scott was introduced to the idea of H.R. Giger. I think it was Dan O'Bannon, one of the writers, who had was supposed to work on a Dune movie that they were trying to make, and H.R. Giger was part of that. And then uh, Dan showed Giger's artwork to Ridley Scott, and when Ridley Scott got to flipping through it, he saw the Necronomicon 4, and the rest is history. He was like, you know what, that, that is what I need. So they managed to get Giger to work on the film, actually. And what he did is he sort of took what really Scott wanted, and then he made it more of a like a biomechanoid or biomechanical, whatever word it may be, creature. And I think a little bit to the dismay of Ridley Scott. I mean, I'm sure he loves the design, but we'll see in Covenant that he obviously liked the you know the original one better. But what Giger did is he created something absolutely new. I think that's that may be the most effective part of the design itself is it's just new. It's it's like a weird it's it's just on the brink of having a, you know, resemblance of a human, but it's that twisted vision of it, which is uh, another uh aspect of horror movies that usually that's what makes it scary. If something is on the brink of, brink of human and you see that in it, it's probably going to be a little more disturbing. So they did that and then combine it with the the life cycle that they made. So I touched on it a little earlier. So what they did is they 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 had the idea. They created an alien ship on an abandoned alien planet. Uh, they had the crew enter through vagina vagina shaped holes. They go down. <laughs> they go down in a sh- and inside the interior is like a weird combination of of bone, metal, and other organic material. So they're like in a body that they just entered, and then they see. A gargantuan sort of human, once again, like just on the edge of looking human, but a twisted, like thirty foot tall alien looking fossilized. They fall. They go down a hatch into a chamber that dwarfs even the size of that creature, filled with leathery eggs that open up. Have uh, a spider scorpion like creature jump on your face. It orally rapes you, and then it bursts out of you, grows to a d- bigger, grows larger than a human. In less than a day, and then it it just keeps it it's there to do that again. That's all it is. What a disturbing! Can I can I help you, sir? How does it impregnate you if it's orally? It well, it it goes it goes down the throat and then it, it's in your chest and then it bursts out. Oh yeah, it's just yeah. So it what a that, that's sick. But yeah, it's 
the design and then that twisted vision of a life cycle, once again, just absolute, I think pretty much absolutely fresh and new. And it's based off of like real life stuff, like certain insects and other ocean dwelling creatures sort of have that idea where they, they use like, I get it's usually a dead body, like bodies of other creatures to like hold their eggs and stuff. So yeah, it's really freaky. And then you combine that with the, I've said it like 18 times already, but I'm going to say it again. They used space aesthetic and it's like a, it's organic industrial, industrial sort of feel, which is a little uh, contradictory, but you've got those reds, grays, browns, and then the blues. So that color palette really, it, it gives you this sort of blue collar, uh, stressed, isolated feel. And it just, like I'm saying, it all works together to give you this perfect story. It's like the visions of everyone involved, whether they're above the line, directing, producing, or below the line, you know, the grips and the lighting technicians. It just, it seems like everyone was on the exact same page and they knew exactly what to do, why to do it, and how to do it. Uh, And yeah, so to conclude, this has been a bit of a long-winded video about saying, I like Alien. This is just, I think this is my first step into videos on Alien. I'm going to give you more breakdowns, analysis, and stuff. But I just wanted to release this in honor of today, Alien Day, 426. I just, you know, just wanted to get this out there. Uh, Just plant the seed. As you know, big things have small beginnings. But yeah, uh, just to conclude what Alien is, I have this nice little thing here. He's going to plant the seed, but not orally. I know. (laughs) (laughs) You see me later about that one. No. But to put it best for Alien, this movie is... It's it's an interesting combination of elements. Making it a, a tough little son of a bitch. So, <laughs> alright. Well, that about wraps it up for today, you guys. Thank you for tuning in. You can go ahead and give this video a like and subscribe to the channel. Drop a comment below. Tell me how you feel about the video. How you feel about, how you feel about Alien. And any ideas for future videos or content that you guys want to see about Alien. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Official for notifications on upcoming videos coming to you guys. And just a reminder, in the next 24 to 48 hours, we will be dropping our review of Avengers Infinity War, which we're going to see tonight. All right, so thank you again, guys, for tuning in, and have a nice rest of your day.